0: everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Dr. Kathy King and I want you to know you are important to us. We are thrilled that you're here with us today for another episode of Writing Works Wonders.
1: Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. We're so pleased you're with us for our summer 2022 Writing Works Wonders open mic celebration. We know you'll enjoy the fun and entertainment as we explore the vast and varied talent of our extended community of writers. Don't worry about catching all the author details. Each reader will announce their name and the title of the piece they're reading. But when we post the information online, all of that details will be available. Get ready for another episode full of learning, laughter, and new ideas for readers and writers. So hold on to your earbuds And prepare to be wowed by poetry, fantasy, sci-fi, memoir, mystery, humor, and anything that includes words. It's our summer 2022 Writing Works Wonders open mic celebration. I'm Dr. Kathy King, and I'm so pleased to introduce you to
0: my fabulous co-host, Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Hi, everybody. I'm so glad to be here with all of you. Kathy wasn't expecting me to be here today. If you want to read your response to the prompt, you can do it during the open mic. Back to you. (laughs) Thank
1: you. We're so excited to hear everybody. Chanel, over to you.
2: Marlene Massat.
1: Thank you very much. And I have two
3: poems today. The first one is Faithful Dog, Sextet by Marlene Massat. On this 4th of July holiday, please do not send me away. Even though the fireworks fill the air with booming deafness shrill, I can smell the scrumptious barbecue charcoal aromas of cooking food. My nose inhales the chicken first. The sizzle and pop of hamburgers burst. Hot dogs squeal with dunness shrill. As they lie upon the grill. Corn on the cob fills me with delight. Browning buns make my eyes bright. I lumber around among family and friends. Hoping some morsel will upon the ground end. Dropped unsuspectedly from a careless hand. To be snatched up in my mouth is the plan. Though I am just your dog at heart, I'm faithful to do my part. Yes, I know you treat me well. My tail thumps happily, can you tell? Yet I know to keep away from the cooking food. Slip me some potato salad, don't be rude. (laughs) Potato chip bags, crinkling sound. Please drop some on the ground. As the azure sky turns to twilight, signaling the approach of dark of night, a distant smell permeates the air, but humans take no notice without care. They do not have my keen sense of smell that alerts me to nature's tell, the scent of rain. Lurks thick in the air. It will quash the celebration there. I bark to signal alert to my humans. But they are too busy with their friends. Once the rain pours, there's no doubt they will scurry for the house. Faithful dog, I love my pack. Still heedless of the coming fact. More than rain will make them stare. As thunder and lightning split the air. Still we joy in reverie. Family, friends, and being free. The next poem is Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Poem, a Quatrain. Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Poem. How I wonder what you're knowing. Shining brightly in the sky, up above the verse so high. Twinkle, twinkle, little poem. What is in your verse unknowing? Shining brightly up above, like wise gems for us to love. Twinkle, twinkle, little poem, how I wonder where you're going. From one's verse to expand above, creativity for us to love. Twinkle, twinkle, little poem, let us follow you on going. From one person's memory, up for all the world to see. Twinkle, twinkle, little poem, how I wonder what you're knowing. And this second poem was inspired by the Writing Works Wonders Creative Writing Journal. Thank you so much, Kathy and
1: Cheryl. The end. Thank you, Marlene. And I want to mention that next week's prompt will be that same prompt that Marlene used. So she'll be posting her response on our website. And we'll announce that prompt shortly. Next up, we have Carol Mackey. And her poem will be read by
4: Allison Vasquez.
0: And this is Carol. And I just want to thank Allison. And thank you all for being here. Thanks.
4: This first one is using the prompt, Tapioca Pudding, Gummy Worms, Horses, and Fire. And it's called All Gummed Up. Hold your horses. The gummy worms are coming. They're in the tapioca pudding hiding from the fire and the fire gets stuck in the tapioca pudding fighting with the gummy worms while the horses hold on. This next one is using the prompt six lines using the the word rope and it's called ropeless. I can tie myself in loopy knots and be nowhere near a rope with all my scary tangled thoughts. I'm like an untethered boat. Whether I get untied or not, I'll grab the nearest rope and hope. And this last one is Carol's own own personal prompt. And it's called Dangerous Taters. Vagueness is dangerous when it invades my life. It shows up in simple ways and slowly causes strife. Like, when did I last change the sheets? Not that it matters much. But attitude, that orange juice, that's looking kind of rough. I'm really mostly kidding, not telling on myself. But there are things I've got to watch, like those bagged potatoes going on my shelf. Next is Seamus King, and Rita Paulson will be after Seamus
0: King.
5: Hello. I'm going to read a selection from an upcoming book called Night of the Wolf King. A little bit of setup. In this scene, our hero, Brandir, has just fled from a werewolf. Brandir slowly made his way down the darkened stairs, keeping one hand on the stone wall. He did not know where he was going, but a cool draft wafted upward, and on it rode the scent of running water. He turned a corner in the dark, and he made out a glimmer of light down below. His heart leapt, and he hurried down the steps. And as he made another turn, his feet hit something hard, and he tripped, falling down onto flat stone and landing on his shoulder. This is not my day, Brender groaned and rolled over. His eyes widened. He had stumbled over a wooden log the long and narrow trunk of a tree stripped of limbs and polished smooth open water he murmured it's a mast he touched the wood it was cool and hard yet in his mind it seemed already a living thing ready to be put to its proper use he ran his eyes down its length and then up chasing first the gray stone walls then the stalactites that hung down from above and then down to where an inlet of water slowly lapped against the grotto floor. A ship rested in the water. Long and slender, its sides gleamed silver-white in the light that filtered through the grotto entrance. You're beautiful, he said, looking down her lines, running his hands down a smoothly sanded plank. What's your name? Forgetting his injuries, Brander gathered himself and leapt inside. The unfinished mast lay along the stone floor, and the sea chests that served as seating were missing. The oar locks had been placed, and the oars themselves rested within the boat, eager and waiting to test the water. Memories crashed into Brander's mind. He stood on the stern of his brother's ship as she rose over the swelling waves, riding them like a horse over gently rolling hills. For a moment, he forgot the monster hunting him far above the hidden cave. He forgot the haunted forest, the years of lonely brooding no longer weighed on his broad shoulders. There was only the memory of the sea, the wild joy of it, the terrifying storms of it, and a pang of longing drove through his heart so sharply it shook him where he stood. Soon, he whispered, the gray wild water still swimming in his mind's eye. I am coming soon. And that's it.
2: Wow, thank you. So vivid. Next up is Rita Paulson. There we go, Rita. Thank you're you unmuted. for
6: letting me read my piece. And it's called Precious Water by Rita Pulsoni. Water is a precious resource that God has given to us. It's a resource that is made for this planet. For example, water is used in different formats. Like when we take a shower, we feel refreshed and cool. When we brush our teeth, our mouths feel clean as well. However, in the summertime, water takes a different turn. It takes us swimming in pools and going to beaches. We feel happy and cool during this time of year. Some people swim in the ocean and others swim in pools. Water takes a different format when we are thirsty. It quenches our thirst when we are thirsty, and it helps our flowers to grow and the grass to grow as well. The waves in the beach, it can be your friend or your enemy. In other words, water can be smooth, dangerous, when the waves sound violent and pushes you out to sea. When the waves are smooth, the water feels calm and caresses your body like a bathtub. So let us enjoy the water and not take advantage of it. Thank you for letting me read. Lisa.
7: Thank you. This is an actual experience which was written as a speech for Toastmasters entitled P99 by Lisa Gilmartin. There are few joys better than hiking on a paved trails in the Western United States. The various new smells tantalizing my nostrils, the arid air on my skin, and the sounds of nature, if even in a breeze. A true thrill is to be one with nature. Animal encounters are always memorable, maybe not welcome. One of these hikes I've shared with my twin nieces, Jamie and Jesse, along with my guide dog, Ravi, up to the Griffith Observatory in Los Angeles, California. It was late afternoon on a beautiful January day in 2019. We found a canyon trail starting with a very steep incline. They read the signs at the start of the trail for any pertinent information. There was none. When a mountain trail is extremely steep, it cuts sharply from right to left and back. This is known as a switchback to hikers. There were many switchbacks on this trail. As we reached the last steep switchback, it plopped us directly into the parking lot of the Griffith Observatory. The sun was slipping slowly behind the mountains to the west as we took in the view. Dusk gave way to a beautiful evening sky. In the distance, I could hear howling. I'm not sure if it was a dog or coyotes or even wolves. We were unfamiliar with the area. I told my nieces under no uncertain terms, I am not going back that way. Jamie asked a worker what the noise we heard was. He told her, oh, it's nothing, just coyotes. Really? Nothing? She explained to him that we had hiked up from the canyon to the observatory. She asked if it was dangerous for us to go down the trail in the dark with my guide dog. He assured her that as long as the dog was on a leash, coyotes would not bother us. I was still very skeptical. When we had our fill of the observatory, it was late. Feeling exhausted, I succumbed. I thought, well, we'll just walk quickly down the steep trail to the car in less than 10 minutes to make it easier since we were unfamiliar with how else to get to the car. As we stepped onto the trail, we made our first sharp turn on the steep hill. Jesse and Jamie walked ahead of Ravi and I. They turned on their phones' flashlights to walk quicker back down the dark, steep mountain. Just then, we all heard a little wrestling before we reached the second switchback at a very short distance away. Then came an animal noise. Jesse turned, whispering, animal, turn around. We all turned around back towards the parking lot in pitch darkness. All of a sudden, I heard a low guttural sound about nine feet in back of Rabby's behind. I thought I was walking fast, but I was actually not moving at all. I was frozen. I noticed my legs felt like cement from my knees to my hips. Jamie was already at the top by the parking lot. Jesse turned around to see me frozen. Ravi was stopped, just looking at me, waiting for me to direct him. The deep growling was getting louder and louder right behind Ravi. As I recall these harrowing moments, I can still remember that deep growling behind me as if it has just happened. <sighs> Jessie yelled to Jamie, Jamie, come help Lisa and Ravi. As Jamie ran back to me, she asked me, what do you want me to do? I said, get behind Ravi. The growling was so loud, so close behind Ravi's behind that I realized Jamie could not go behind us. So I outstretched my left hand, passing her the leash, saying, take Ravi. In a flash, they were gone. Jamie was holding Ravi's leash as his handle on his harness flailed about. Jesse grabbed my left arm, pulling me up the hill, insisting I move. I was still frozen. The loud, deep growling was now about three feet behind me at this point. I started to feel the hairs on the back of my neck rising. I knew this was literally a do or die situation. Feeling a tingling flooding my body, I knew I was about to be attacked. In a surprise moment, In my sheer terror, I clumsily raised my right arm in a 90-degree angle, waving my hand out far away from me, trying to make myself look bigger. I turned my head to the right, sounding extremely verbally challenged, as if I had never been able to speak clearly in my life, saying, leave us alone. With that, I seemed to have broken some sort of spell. The hairs on the back of my neck were no longer standing up. My legs started to move. I was able to race up to the first switchback into the parking lot. Once in the parking lot, we ran into a ranger in his 60s. We shared our harrowing close encounter of an animal kind. He asked us what the noise sounded like. I repeated the low guttural growl. Nonchalantly, he shared, It's a relatively famous mountain lion called P-99. It has even been photographed by National Geographic in an article. I found it incredulous that they don't want to ruin the natural beauty with a lot of signs on the trails to at least warn hikers of P-99. Needless to say, Ravi did not go on any more hikes during that trip, nor did we do any night hiking. Please realize the need to be very careful when hiking in nature with a guide dog or any pet. Hikers are out soaking up nature, so are the animal inhabitants looking for their next meal. Thank you. My name is
8: Mary Carla Hayes from McMurray, Pennsylvania, and I'm going to read a poem called The Dog Named Adolf. And this is based on a true story that I read in a German language newspaper online, a very sad story, but a true one. The dog named Adolf. Far away across the sea, in the country of Germany, was found a dog, round his neck a chain with a rusty tag bearing the name adolf he was lying along a deserted road in a clump of grass that had never been mowed he was skinny and shaggy and all alone without a friend and without a home poor adolf a man rescued this sad bedraggled hound and took him to the local pound Nobody knew his background or age, but they bathed him, fed him, and put him in a cage. Dear Adolf, he was examined by a vet. Then they prepared him to be a pet. They trimmed him, groomed him, put a bow in his hair, and made him a shiny new license tag to wear for Adolf, a delightful dog in every way. He would wag his tail and jump and play. For himself, he could no longer fend. All he needed was a home and a friend. Poor Adolf. Day after day, people came to see this wonderful dog they could have for free. They'd play with him, feed him, and walk him around. A more loving dog could never be found as Adolf. They'd decide that they wanted him for their own. Yes, they would be happy to take him home. But when they'd see his papers and find out his name, they'd change their minds and walk away in shame. Poor Adolf. Because he shared the name of Germany's worst villain, there wasn't a German the least bit willing to take this dog into his home and his heart. And so there was no one to take the part of Adolf. The man that rescued him tried in vain to make him respond to another name. But this dear dog of whom he was so fond, to no one, to no other name would he respond but Adolf. So in his cage, he sits all alone. Nobody wants to give him a home just because he bears the name of the terrible man who brought Germany to shame. Poor Adolf. Will someone please give him a place to live? This dog has so much love to give. Please take him in. Please take him home And be his friend. I'm sure you'll enjoy the time you spend with Adolf. Thank you very much.
2: Next up is Dave Trevino. What
5: you're about to hear is a poem written by my wife. And uh, it's part of my current musical project, Fresh from the Lab the tune is familiar and I played all the instruments so here we go
9: Darla, forward I timidly said as down the busy streets we sped We rounded corners and crossed streets Through crowds of people we didn't stop to meet Around parking meters and garbage cans We seemed to fly, then back to the vans Darla forward, I confidently said With instruction complete, work together ahead A new outlook on life we'd then begun We'd face each new day in turn, one by one We'd share laughter and tears, sorrow and pain, as side by side we boarded a plane. Darla Ford, I seriously said, my sights upon knowledge, as you guided me safely to library and college. I never worried as you cleared a path, I concentrated instead on English and Darla forward, I nervously said. Thoughts of refusal filling my head. Off we went to a job interview. I'd worried for naught. We were hired. My boss loved you. We'd gotten the coveted job we sought. Darla forward, I repeatedly said. Down hospital halls, we efficiently sped. Side by side, each morning we'd trudge. Through icy winter springtime sludge with a job to do we shared the stress then back home for a well-deserved rest Darla forward! I excitedly said refusing to merely sit by instead in my wildest dreams I wouldn't have guessed with your dedication we could do nothing less "'We climbed the Statue of Liberty Stairs. "'What an accomplishment! You made it up there!' "'Darla Ford,' I lovingly said, "'just as always, you'd flawlessly led. "'Across the country or across the street, "'the years I spent with you were most sweet. "'Though you would have worked with physical pain, "'I couldn't endure it with nothing to gain.' Darla forward, I achingly said, my heart filled with sympathy, sadness and dread, and guilt for replacing you due to your pain, as I went to board another plane, you wouldn't be there to welcome me home, but I was at peace, you wouldn't be alone, forward to retirement you gracefully went. Days filled with leisure and sunshine you spent To the home of trusted friends of mine No better home on earth for you could I find They loved you and helped you to live out your days Filled each one with tenderness and praise Forward to whatever God has in store For faithful friends we will love evermore you took with you a piece of my heart. You gave my adult life its true start. You rest now from the pain that you bore, blanketed with the love of your friends evermore. Darla was a black lab retriever. My first seeing-eye dog, born November 1st, 1979, died August 16, 1993,
1: Beautifully done. Thank you.
5: Uh, I wrote this years ago. Got a thousand dollars for it.
4: Oscar Mayer bacon is the one for you. Every slice has hearty flavor through and through. It's lean and so delicious. You can taste the quality. It'll be the star attraction on your BLT. Oscar Mayer bacon makes a meal complete. Turns ordinary food into a real treat. Goes with sandwiches and salads, eggs, potatoes, and the rest. Get Oscar Mayer bacon. It's the bacon that's the best.
0: <laughs> Thank you. That's
10: neat.
0: Stacy is up next.
10: Hello. Mine's called The Way God Helps Me See. Even though my eyes aren't seeing, God helps me see in different ways. The sun on my face, oh how warm. The wind in my hair as it flows to and fro, especially when the wind picks up. And I walk along with my cane in hand. Whoop, there's a bump, my cane found. I can smell the beautiful flowers and hear the beautiful birds in the tree. They seem to be singing. No, not just for me. He helps me see with my heart, most of all, friends, love, hurt, and everything I can think of. I know God loves me, and he loves you, too. He makes special things for all of us because he talks to us in different ways that's special to us. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Stacey. Great to have you with us.
2: And next is Kathy. Thank
1: you, Chanel. I'm going to be reading an opening segment from The Adventures of Bridget McCabe, a 25th century scientist and galaxy traveler who has special talents. This is from my manuscript, Survival and Science Among the Stars, copyright 2022, by Kathleen P. King and Seamus King. Chapter 1, Even With My Eyes Closed, Mission Day 28, Space Station, 2200 Hours. Yelling, loud banging, crashing, and grunting echoed off the sterile walls of the Esmeralda Space Station's Research Lab 4. In near total darkness, Dr. McKay battled hand-to-hand with a wiry man amidst lab benches, stools, shelving racks, specialized equipment, and specimen. The man shoved the athletic scientist hard, and she crashed into one of the sample-laden benches and amidst the shards of glass, she sprang back to her feet in an instant. She was determined to protect the space station's primary research project. Forcing herself to ignore the damage, Bridget called on her proximity sensor and charged forward. She channeled all her strength and training to determinedly push a clenched fist into Smedley Chow's jaw. She was fast enough to connect solidly, but he was quicker, and had snatched up the small incubator box. Leveraging her authority as a senior military officer, McCabe shouted, Chow, you'll destroy your career and endanger the future of the next generation if you damage that case. Frustrated and humiliated that his jaw was likely dislocated, Chow's anger multiplied. Sneering at Bridget, he laughed as he vindictively dragged the box across two crowded lab racks In one sweeping motion, he decimated dozens more digital seedlings and biodigital containers. The precious promises to the future crashed to the ground, now useless debris. Bearing the marks of their extended struggle, Smedley's nose and split lip bled. He scowled at Bridget as he contentiously spat on her shiny military boots. Despite the situation, she kept her emotions in check. Her specialized preparation tempered her reaction to Chow's continued vile destruction and insolence. She had struck him several times as warnings to stand down, but now she unleashed a fuller recompense. With breathtaking speed, she cocked back her right leg and threw an explosive kick to where his upper body should be. Before he could react, she used her left. When she spun to fire a third kick, Smedley countered with a crushing blow to her side. Thrown off balance, Bridget grunted, recovered, and sprang back to leap up. In one fluid motion, she was in the air again and had kicked both legs out from under the invader. As he hit the polished floor, Smedley smashed several more lab stations and lost hold of the incubator box. Reaching out, stretching to her limit, Bridget caught the gleaming white box in midair just as the security system announced that the security guards clad in IGN military uniforms had arrived. Within seconds, the security clones, Ensign Mars 1, 2, and 3, scanned the scene of equipment damage and human damage. They surrounded and stood over the prone, damaged Smedley respectfully mars one turned to the doctor your orders lieutenant commander swiftly brushing debris from her sleek blue uniform she ordered take him to the captain and growled i'm fed up with him get him medical attention if he needs it mars one and two said yes lieutenant commander and restrained smedley with electronic bonds cursing all the while smedley violently resisted shoving and wriggling his strenuous efforts were without success and had the effect of making them look like a maniacal hog-tied bug, senselessly struggling in vain as they stood the culprit up on his feet. Commander Phil, Director of Security, arrived and raised his eyebrows in query to Mars One. Mister Chow appears to have broken into the lab and was attempting theft. When we arrived, the Lieutenant Commander had already subdued him and retrieved the attempted articles phil responded very good mars i'll meet you there dr mccabe will come in a few minutes smedley yelled i demand to be let go i'll not be manhandled by holograms glaring at smedley phil addressed mars one you'll have to gag him just work around his injuries and please retrieve a med kit you may proceed once effectively silenced the security guards escorted okay they carried Smedley from the lab, now turning towards Bridget, Phil smiled wryly and asked, and why has nobody turned the lights on in here? Do we need to stay in the dark for some reason? Bridget sighed and then signaled for the overhead lights to activate and said, I just forget that I have to compensate so much for fully sighted people. My cybernetic proximity sensor allows me to navigate just fine without bright illumination. Phil's eyes betrayed his smile as he replied good naturedly, Yeah, well, just remember, the rest of us don't know how to function without full eyesight, Bridget. Grinning, Bridget replied, Guess I'm just lucky. Thank you.
2: Next up, we have Abby, two poems I will read, were published in the Avocet's quarterly summer issue. This first one was inspired by the Billy Collins poem I just read and it's called Kayaking Down the Loxahatchee River. I've sailed in a canoe, encountered an alligator, putt putted to an island in a motorboat that saw better days, waded in muddy water at the edge, but I've never kayaked down the Loxahatchee River, nor am I likely to do so. Instead, I'll be on my back patio at dusk where a cool breeze will caress my skin and chirping birds, barking dogs, and happy children's cries will herald others enjoyment of a summer sunset. My phone will ring with a FaceTime call from my brother who will tell me about kayaking down the Loxahatchee River and I'll be thankful he's safe. And the last one I'll read is called Meadowlark Lake. A hot summer Saturday. I'm about 13, brother Andy, seven years younger. We set forth in the pickup. Andy and me in back, mother and dad in the cab, drive 30 miles south from Sheridan, Wyoming, to Buffalo, then west into the mountains, arrive at our destination in mid-afternoon. Once the truck comes to a complete stop, Andy leaps out. I, with my limited vision, wait for Dad to lower the tailgate and help me down. We check in, find our cabin, one room with three double beds and a cook stove, restrooms and showers in a separate facility. We rent a boat, Row out to the middle of the lake. Dad and Andy try unsuccessfully to fish while mother and I watch, enjoy the pristine lake's beauty, blue sky, and trees. Listen to the twitter of a meadowlark. Thank you. Thank you so much, Abby. Beautiful. Thank you. Next up is Marcia Summer.
7: This is called Jazz. The cat. Jazz, my cat, is really special. He adopted a squeaky mouse which I attached to a wand. Every day he feeds it in his bowl, and then he takes it to the litter box afterwards. I hear the bell on the wand when he drags it to me to leap, lunge, and stalk the toy, and sleeping at night is interrupted when he attacks my toes thankfully his nails are safely clipped because i don't want to be his pincushion. the end
1: fabulous thank you that is vivid nobody wants to be the pincushion.
0: cushion huh. look at that great time everybody
1: in Woo.
0: Yes, yes mm-hmm.
1: how terrific cheryl do you want to share the rating prompt for next week again
0: I sure will. It is, and this comes from our Writing Works Winner's Creative Writing Prompt Journal. And it is to take a nursery rhyme and make it your own. 75 words or less. Thank you to everyone who has read today. Thank you for our audience.
1: Thank you for Chanel for being our MC. This has been wonderful to hear the fantastic talent in our group. And we're so excited that everybody was able to participate today and share their talent with everybody on the stream, on the podcast, and with everybody in the group. What a great opportunity. We always enjoy these celebrations. This will be a terrific addition to our podcast feed and archive. Remember that you can go to writingworkswonders.com and search Open Mic, and you'll hear this in other Open Mic events that we have held. Don't forget, next Friday, we're gonna be doing an interactive workshop about story worlds. Join us to learn everything about building story worlds in your writing, and we will introduce some concepts and also enjoy hearing from you, our participants, about your strategies and approaches in this as well. If you don't have too much experience or you have questions about how to do this, Bring them with you, and we want to put our heads together to respond to those. This will be a great opportunity, because I'm sure we all have different strategies and ways to do this in our work. And August 5th, get ready for it. We have our spotlight guest author, Catherine Coulter, will be joining us on Writing Works Wonder. She's a prolific, popular and award-winning author joining us August 5th, Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern. If you're a fan of hers and enjoy her books, join us on the live Zoom call so you can greet her and say hi, ask her questions. And if you're a writer, we will be asking questions about the writing craft as well. We know this will be another tremendous author interview. Above all else, we want you to be encouraged, inspired, and enjoy the wonders of writing. We look forward to being with you next time. Thank you, everybody.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. A Tap on that button to set subscribe so you will not miss our show. You can also tap on the link for writingworkswonders.com. It'll take you directly to all the show notes and information that we shared today then you can sign up to receive the Zoom link so that you can be live with us when we are recording. You can also contact us at info at writingworkswonders.com. Our phone number is 347-467-0221. We also have a donate button. All donations go to the technical expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this podcast going. Kathy and I want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder in writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing.
4: Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.